Welcome everyone to the Retail Corner Podcast from Proxima 360. The purpose of our podcast is to bring a relaxed and educational environment to discuss the current retail landscape, best of breed products, and retail business best practices. You will always find us talking with business users, technical resources, and retail experts on how they are and where they are headed. Welcome, everybody, to the Retail Corner Podcast. We have one more episode for you guys. And today we are here with Julie Lasso. Julie Lasso, is a, she has been a director at Target. That's right, Target Stores. And she ventured out into her own company as the owner, of course, and principal of JHL Solutions, LLC. Julie, how are you doing this morning? Great to meet you. Wonderful to meet you, Carlos. I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Awesome. awesome. We're doing great. We're doing fabulous. You know, it's one more morning, one more day. So we're very excited and we're very excited to have you. Thank you so much for your time. And today uh, we want to talk about a little bit about, you know, supply chain, but not last mile delivery, but when you're really kind of starting your business, right? Or even if you already have a business, but how to streamline your, your setup for your vendors, for your suppliers. But before we get into that, Julie, I've met so many people recently that have transitioned from that corporate lifestyle into, you know, starting their own business and venturing out. So how has that been for you and what made you make that transition from Target? I mean, that must have been an amazing job, right? So what made you transition from Target into your own company? Oh, I, I love starting the conversation here. I was incredibly fortunate to start at Target right as I was graduating from university from college and spent 17 years there, all in the merchandising or merchandising adjacent areas, uh, inventory planning, negotiations, buying. And I spent a fair amount of time in sourcing, building these very deep uh, supplier partnerships and it targets own brand product portfolio. And I, I reached a point in my career, and there was very few people who work in corporate retail that expect to retire from the organization. At Target, mm-hmm. it's probably just a handful of people a year. So I always knew that there'd be chapter and chapters of my career that didn't involve Target. And when I reached a point where I built a skill set and I thought I could offer more value to retail more broadly outside of the organization, that's when it made me really pause and think about what could that next step look like and in, in more of an entrepreneurial space. How could I really uh, choose the partners that I wanted to work with, the problems that excited me that I wanted to solve and, it, and really have the impact that I wanted to. And that was the point where I launched my business. So it's uh, coming up on five years ago now. So it's a, it's been wow. a really fantastic journey. That's amazing. Congratulations. And was it, was it difficult to transition from, from the corporate lifestyle? I mean, I asked, I went through it myself uh, and I found it very easy because I was always chasing that entrepreneurial mindset. But I know for a lot of people, it's a big change, right? Because you're, you're accustomed to, there's so many people doing so many things for you, right? And so many people doing so many different activities and you're more of a delegator, right? Versus when you start your own business, it's like you're the janitor, you're the secretary, you're everything <laughs> as you're building it you know and eventually exactly. you get to the point of the corporate level but how is that uh transition in your head right almost like it's a switching of a wire almost type of thing no it absolutely is and i think i had a couple of things working for me uh one my father was an entrepreneur so growing up i saw what that looked and, and felt like mm. and learned how to prioritize and how to take risks 
and early in my career at Target, you, I also had the opportunity to be more entrepreneurial in the, the spaces that I was in. And I would say the other thing, uh, when it came to the level that I had reached at Target, it was a director level and the scale and scope of work that I absolutely loved. But I still had a balance of leading, uh, coaching and managing, as well as doing. So I, I never really stepped fully away from that 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 doing and, and then getting my hands in and, and working on projects and leading work. Mm. And I think the last thing I had working in my favor when I thought about my entrepreneurial journey is that I ranked launching a consultancy at a level of difficulty that was maybe just a step above opening a lemonade stand. I, I just didn't think that <laughs> opening a consultancy was going to be that challenging. And so I went in with a great deal of, of naivete about how hard it was going to be. And candidly, looking back, I probably would have uh, taken some different steps and made some different choices if I had known the challenge of what it was to build consulting practice and build authority and, and really be able to set out and help my clients from day one. I had to build that a bit of that in, in my yeah. months uh, after launching, but it's been an amazing journey. And as I said, it's coming up on five years and I've I've certainly enjoyed it. All the roles from head of marketing to head of sales, to head of IT, to janitor, as you mentioned. So <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. No, but, but you know, I think it, it's amazing when, when people take this, right. And especially it, it really, in my opinion, right. It makes, even when you're an employee, right. Even if you're a corporate employee, even if you're a retail store employee, if you work as if that company that you're working for as your own, if it was your own business, right? Then when you transition out into making your own business and it makes it so much easier, right? And it makes you an amazing employee all by, you know, because you're treating it like if it was your own business, you know? So it gives you that edge. Absolutely. I love and, that perspective. So let's talk about, a little bit about JHL Solutions, right? What, what exactly do you guys do? How do you help your customers? Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, as I mentioned in, in the intro, one of the pieces of my job and the work that I did at Target that I absolutely loved was helping build supplier partnerships, especially in the own brand space. Mm -hmm. So today that's almost exclusively what I focus on, really helping retailers understand how to bring amazing own brands to life. And for me, the secret sauce in that uh, beyond amazing product is the, the partnerships that you build. So I work with retailers to find the best supplier partners for them, to onboard them to their processes, and ultimately build products together and, and agree on those products, which comes down to a negotiation. Mm. Uh, so as you might imagine, the last year and a half, I've done a fair amount of negotiation support and supplier partnership elevation, just with the, the tensions of both uh, responding in the COVID world, as well as some of the inflationary costing pressures that we've seen. That's mostly yeah. what the work I do looks like. Nice, nice. That's amazing. And so talking about supply chain, right? Let's let's break it down. What, what is supply chain, right? And for, for everybody out there, right? Because there's a lot of corporate users out there that listen to us, but they work in different departments. And as you know, in the corporate world, it's like you're in your own little box, right? If, if you work in marketing, don't touch anything else. If you work, <laughs> you know, in allocation, don't you go talk about that planning, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, but what is supply chain? And, and what are really the challenges that you are seeing in supply chain as we went in through the pandemic everything transitioned into e-commerce right and even the way you 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 engage your vendors right and your distributors completely changed so if you can kind of break down for us for our listeners yeah i'd be happy to so taking a step back to the first question you asked on how do i think about or define supply chain for me supply chain is is really the steps that the product takes between uh, when it's created, when it's incepted, produced, 
it's a journey to whatever the retail distribution uh, node is. So whether you're shopping online or shopping at a physical store and all the steps in between. So some of that is manufacturing. Some of that is uh, logistics as we think about it. Is it getting on a plane or a boat to get here? Mm-hmm. And then certainly uh, there's some complications as you think about last mile and what that starts to look like. So what are the, the literal last steps in the supply chain to get the product into your consumer's hand, whether you're shipping it to them directly, handing it to them in the store, or having it delivered to them through a, a courier service. Nice. So the, part about, the parts and pieces of supply chain that I'm incredibly passionate about are the ones uh, very early in the process. So it's the idea of who is, who's really starting your supply chain, where are your raw materials coming from, Where is uh, your product being grown, whether it's cotton or corn? How is that product being sourced? How is that those products or those ingredients then being turned into the goods that you'll be selling to your, your customers ultimately? And when you think about that manufacturer partner and then handing that product off into the supply chain, that's when I start to think about supply chain more in the logistics space. And you've already had some amazing guests talking about the technology and the support you need to make sure that product goes seamlessly. So I'll dig in a little bit deeper to the question you asked about the challenges you see in that early part of the supply chain. Uh-huh. And I think in the last year and a half, as we've navigated COVID, what we've seen is if you have a very brittle supply chain, as in very, very structured, everything has to work perfectly, that supply chain is at risk then for, for some major disruption. So if stores are shut down, if factories are shut down, if the price of uh, transporting product increases dramatically, you have very, very few options to continue to have that supply chain working as efficiently as possible. The second thing that will challenge your supply chain certainly is uh, from a partnership perspective with your supplier. If you don't have great supplier partnerships and you start to experience disruption, when you go to problem solve, when you go to get your supply chain back on track, you are going to have much, much more difficult time doing that because your supplier is going to prioritize other partners, other customers who have a stronger relationship who might be easier to work with than you are. So those are the two major themes I've seen in that early part of supply chain disruption as a result of the, the COVID era challenges. And and where do you, I mean, that's that's amazing. Where do you see those challenges, right? How, how can people address those? Like how can businesses address those? Obviously, I mean, you know, we can go very, very much in depth about that, but just on the surface, like what would be like the typical things that you're seeing with your clients that you're saying, hey guys, let's take this route and it's gonna mm-hmm. prepare us because as we know, right? As we listen to the news and everything, another possible shutdown and another possible breakdown is just right around the corner, right? So how do they prepare for the unknown, right? Which the unknown slash kind of known, right? Because (laughs) we've been through it. So it's not really that much of an unknown. But if it's in its retail and retail is a space of the the unknown. I like your phrasing there. It's it's always changing Uh, for me. And again, I'm biased. uh, There are certainly product managers who would who may choose to argue with me. But I think that uh, starting a resilient supply chain starts with finding the right partners to make your products. And having the right partners where that you can be transparent with when you are maybe if you're co-developing products or, or building an assortment for your store, ensuring those supplier partners have the same priorities and supporting your customers that you do. Uh, strategically, are you looking to grow the same way? So when we saw uh, some of the resurgence of sales, as uh, even as we were navigating through the lockdown, some categories saw astronomical increases in sales. Mm-hmm. Well, that was probably outside the realm of most expectations. But if you'd had clear and upfront transfer conversations with your supplier partners, your growth trajectories were similar, similar, 
those are the organizations that were much uh, better positioned to ramp up their production because they'd had the conversation that, yes, we're looking to grow this business. It's something that we're investing in. Mm-hmm. And they, you were mutually bought into both of your strategies. So when you came to them and said, hey, we've got a 3X order that we weren't expecting, those are the supply partners that then want to partner with you. And those are also the partners that you can have confidence in that they are going to make choices on behalf of your organization that you'll feel proud of. They're still getting raw materials where you want them to get raw materials. They're still treating their workers fairly and in a way that is in align with value with your organization. So I think those are some of the, the places that I would start. Um, certainly, uh, as you're navigating or if you've already got some of the partnerships started and you're encountering difficulties, at it'll be difficult to say, let's take a step back and just talk about our strategies because you're in problem solving mode. Uh, but uh, I would also go yeah. back to that transparency is still pretty essential, even in that space. So it, being upfront with what do you think the needs are? What are some of the variables and encouraging the supplier to be as transparent as they can with you about what they're navigating and how they might be best positioned to, to support your requests or, or not to be perfectly candid. Yeah, no, I like what you said about, you know, the partnership, right? We, we always kind of make all these comments about partnership with our suppliers, mm-hmm. but what, how you're describing it is it's so perfectly well, right? And I think so many companies kind of uh, take that, right? And don't really capitalize on it. When, when I, what I'm trying to say is they look at their suppliers, right? Simply as a supplier, right? And even though they say, yeah, there are partners, they don't really see them as their, really as their business partners, right? Almost right. Part of, part of your organization. And, and I think to what you're saying, the pandemic, the lockdown, everything has really allowed for that relationship to grow at a whole other level, right? And even that consideration and respect of your suppliers to be at a whole other level where I think it hasn't been in the past, you know, because I think before it was like, hey, you're one more supplier, either you supply or you right. don't. If not, there's 100 people at the door, you know, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Versus now is like, you really need to engage them. And to your point, prepare, talk, and not be so reactionary to whatever happens, but rather anticipate, right? Right. And prepare to whatever's going to happen, especially now that we've seen that the impossible can potentially happen. Now we can really look at all these options, you know? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And so let me ask you, do you also, when you talk about supply chain, right? In my head, I think marketing, I think all these other departments that go hand in hand with them. Do, do you also work with those different departments with your clients? And if, if so, uh, where do you see the opportunities now uh, for, for all of those points to connect, right? Because I feel so many organizations, their departments, they work almost like if they were completely separate entities, you know, and I feel like that's a, I don't understand why that happens, right? Because they're all working for the ultimate same goal, but everybody's in their own little box, right? Thinking that marketing is just marketing and sales is just sales, so forth and so on. Yes. I I love that you asked this question as well. What I would say in, in my experience working uh, at Target, we would operate in what we call the cross-functional team, a CFT. Uh, <laughs> funny story. Uh, a peer of mine, her husband once called CFTs corporate fun time. And mm. it made me laugh. <laughs> I, I think overall, it was one of the, the critical ways that, that Target and other groups that I work with bring amazing partnerships to life, that you do have uh, a set of experts that come together. They know their lane. They know what they're meant to be experts in. They know what they what decisions they need to drive. But they're all working towards common purpose. So the common purpose is bringing the product to the shelf. They're measured in the same way uh, from a, a KPI perspective. And those groups working in tandem 
at the start of any project, if you take the time to outline the, that key strategy, the key priorities, the key metrics, but then also the timing and the inputs that each of those groups needs, then there you can get into a nice balance of working collaboratively when you need to and independently when you don't. And I do emphasize that it's important to be able to work independently so that you're able to move somewhat faster, uh, mm-hmm. but stay connected enough that you're getting the right information or the right inputs or the right decisions made so that each part of the group can continue functioning. So we would call it a four-legged stool when we were working at Target. And the key partners in our cross-functional group would be certainly the merchant team who is expected to show up as the expert in the industry and the customer. We would have the product design team, which would both be aesthetic and engineer designers who are bringing the product to life that would delight those customers. Then you'd have the the planning team or the inventory management team that was really in charge of understanding what are the the total financial metrics of the inventory that needs to be brought in, when it needs to be in the right spot. And then you would have the sourcing team. And I'll just put out there that I certainly have a bias from a sourcing perspective. I spent about half of my career at Target in the sourcing space. Hmm. And that's all about that supplier partnership. And what I loved about that role is that it was the opportunity to work internally with that cross-functional team to make sure we understood what we needed to deliver. But then you were also working externally. So with global partners, both from a sourcing perspective, but also supplier partners. And make sure that those vendor partners and supplier partners knew what their roles were in being able to bring that that product vision to life. So we were sharing strategy early on. We were sharing product design uh, expectations, uh, financial expectations through the negotiation process and agreement process, as well as execution. And that's what I think is, is so critical when you're breaking down silos internally, that you have those moments of alignment, both at the start when you're developing as well as throughout the process. And that you also have someone who is laser focused on making sure that those external partners that you're working with are also being brought along with the process. So everyone is hitting their mark just when they need to. So that product is arriving on the shelves, virtual or physical and delighting the customers when it does. Yeah, no, that, that's great. Yeah, it's it's all about having the right product at the right time at the right place for the right customer, right? So yeah. Exactly right, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely, that's what it's all about. No, and... I, I think one one last question I have for you, right? And I always have this question to all of my guests. Um, if you had one piece of advice, right, to all the entrepreneurs out there, to all the corporate, uh, you know, folks out there, what would that be? Well, especially to the entrepreneurs, I would say don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter seven. Mm. And it, because like I said, when I stepped out of Target, I had a vision for the company that I wanted to build. It wasn't all that populated. So one of the early things I started doing was was connecting and, and networking, certainly uh, with, with people who I'd hope to work with from a prospecting perspective, but also connecting with people who were consultants and getting a sense of how they built their businesses. And for me, that both helped me understand what I needed to do. But the times where I was most concerned about where my business was going, it was when I was trying to implement something that someone who had been in the business for several years at that time into my teeny tiny business, or I felt that from a a skills perspective, what I needed to build or do uh, just wasn't at the level it needed to be. But I had to pause and and check myself that, hey, I'm, I'm in year one right now. These are the basics I need to figure out before I can pick up or really gain from this specific piece of advice. So I'll just, I'll file this away. I'll, I'll come back to it when it's the right time and space for me. But that's not what I need to focus on now. It's it's not going to add value to the business I'm building. It's not going to position me to add value to my clients now. And so I would certainly recommend that as a consideration for entrepreneurs. 
No, I really, really like it because you're right. At the end of the day, right, when you have your own business, when you as yourself, even as a professional, right, because you're always selling yeah. yourself, right? Very the competition true. is against you, right? Mm. And you're always looking to improve you. Yes, compare yourself against others, compare your business against others. Like you said, write it down, you know, put it in the list of things you might want to accomplish. But at the end of the day, it's you against you, right? And how do you be better every single day? How does your business be better every day? No, that's a great piece of advice. Thank you so much. And for everybody out there, you know, uh, I think Julie is super knowledgeable. If you're starting your supply chain, if you need negotiation help, right? Because trust me, you can bring your prices down or you can, you know, look at different ways to help your business, you know, a credit line, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Julie and JHL Solutions is out there to help you guys. We'll put the information here at the bottom uh, so you guys can reach out to Julie and her team. And I'm sure they'll be more than happy to help you as you're venturing out or as you're building your business even stronger and further into the future. Julie, thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. And we hope to talk to you in the future and see where, where your company's at and how you guys are growing. Carlos, thank you so much for uh, asking me to join you today. It's been an absolute delight. And yes, I, I would, would second your encouragement to the audience. I'd be more than happy to chat retail, supplier partnerships. So please do reach out, contact information listed in the podcast below. Awesome. Thank you so much, Julie. If you wish to have a conversation with us, then email us at retailcorner at proxima360.com or visit our website at theretailcorner.proxima360.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay safe and see you next time.